Let's hear some of that movie chat. Credits roll by and I tip my hat. Credits roll by, I wanna know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat. Credits roll by, tell me who did that. Life in the credits is where I wanna play. Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is the show where we learn about entertainment by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan. And I'm Ben. And here we're discussing the film Rush. And joining us today are special guests, Matt Dotiel and Stefano Sedano. So welcome, guys. Hey guys. Thanks so much for having us on the podcast today. We're super excited to talk Rush, uh, yes. Formula One, and anything in between. So thanks so much for having us. Excellent. Yeah, we're excited you're here. Yeah. So guys, can you tell us a little bit about what you do in the entertainment world? Yeah, so uh, we are a up-and-coming podcast. We're actually the fastest-growing Formula One podcast in the globe. We've got a reach across multiple countries from the United States to the UK to China, uh, Singapore, India. So we cover a large, vast majority of the, the map. And um, how we got started in the entertainment industry is a love and passion for Formula One. And the the three of us, uh, myself, uh, Stefano and Sam, we just do weekly podcasts on what happens in Formula One, very similar to your typical sports radio recaps. And that's kind of like a little bit about us. We cover everything. And we also have a little bit of a gambling segment that our co-host Sam leads up. And uh, my other co-host, Stefano, writes a blog each week. And yeah, so we're kind of a multifaceted, multimedia, Formula One-based podcast. Very cool. And what is it called? It is called In the Points. In the Points. In the Points. Awesome. Can you tell us what that title means for someone who's not familiar with Formula One racing? I'll take this one, Matt. So uh, it's basically a play on... Um, just where a car finishes in a race. So uh, when you're considered in the points is when you finish in the top 10 of uh, a racing order. So a little bit of a creative title. Yeah. And obviously it it references uh, Formula One itself. So uh, that's, that's the long and the short of it. Yeah, each team has two drivers, and at the end of a race, there's 20 drivers on a grid, and at the end of each race, the top 10 are awarded points in a tiered structure, and they get added up throughout the season, and that's how they figure out who wins and who loses. And um, it's actually free marketing because you'll hear all the commentators and the pundits say, oh, this driver's trying to get up in the points, or this driver (laughs) was in the points. So we actually get kind of free marketing associated with it too, which is nice. Yeah, that's cool. That's a It's a really catchy title, and also – I'm sure anyone into Formula One is going to see that title and be like, oh, this is a podcast about Formula One racing, and they're going to know right away. Absolutely. So do you guys have a background in either podcasting or sports, or is this simply a passion project that you guys sort of just bonded over? It's probably a passion project. I'd say that like our our fandom of Formula One varies, and our fandom of motorsport also varies as well. I think, you know, some of us are very big into cars. Some of us aren't. I think the majority of the podcast, though, had grown up in sports. And then we became infatuated um, with the sport at different stages. I know I'm a more recent fan. Stefano has been a fan for, for 20 years. And um, and Sam, our co-host, is similar to me. And, and him and I kind of came up with the the thought. I was actually more Sam than me to, to maybe launch this. And then we're good friends with Stefano. And he's a big fan. And we pulled him in. So kind of a passion project that... Uh, kind of exploded but Stefano I don't know if you have anything to add yeah kind of uh echoing off of Matt the show Drive to Survive definitely was a big factor in uh I know their fandom and a lot of the a lot of recent Formula One fans as well um that show has a huge reach uh very well produced show definitely kick-started a lot of Formula One fandom I grew up with the sport so um that's kind of been 
a big part of my life for 20, 25 years, as long as I can remember that yeah. and that and soccer, that and soccer have been uh, <laughs> my sports of choice. Excellent. Nice. Very cool. So what is about Formula One racing that you guys love so much? Stefano, you have the honors. You've been uh, a fan <laughs> the longest. So why don't you, you probably can't even, you'd probably need a whole separate movie. <laughs> yeah, so we, have, we have a spare like hour. <laughs> sure. Uh, I'll try, I'll try it's to a podcast, so yes. Yeah. It brings back a lot of childhood memories. I think of the noise, the tense racing, the sort of edge of your seat action that uh that it brings to mind uh it's really made for theater tv if you think about it because yeah. a lot of a lot of seasons have really been nail biters um and you'll go into the last race of the season literally chomping at the bit you know thinking who's who's going to win is it going to be is it going to be schumacher is it going to be hackenen more recently is it going to be hamilton is it going to be verstappen you know you have you have nail biting finishes you have huge action on, during the races huge crashes great overtaking over the years, the sounds have been amazing as well. Uh, the fans are also part of the show too. So uh, it's really just made for made for TV entertainment, and yeah. that's 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 probably the best best description I can give it. I think the uh, the strategy and the the data aspect of it has what really is infatuated me. I mean, I was never a fan of motorsport, never a fan of NASCAR, IndyCar, like really could care less about cars in general. And then I started watching Drive to Survive and I realized like the amount of analysis that these teams are doing, the amount of data that they're collecting. Like I think I read somewhere that every car has like 500, 600 sensors on it that feeds wow. data live to them. Wow. and. You know, as someone who, you know, focuses on data a lot in my day to day, it was like very interesting. Like the teams are incredibly smart. They're thinking through things like their technology is brilliant. And sometimes it comes down to strategy. And I thought that aspect was like pretty interesting and very cool. Um, so yeah. that's kind of what really caught my eye. Yeah. Really develop a, a newfound appreciation for uh, engineering. Yeah. Totally. You know, if you if you watch especially like the practice and qualifying sessions, because then you'll get more of a, a keen idea as to how like cars are set up and things like that. And I know speaking for myself, I'm a pretty big car guy. So, you know, you think of, you think of technology from formula one and some of it has permeated through to our normal road cars. Um, hmm. Years and years ago, uh, formula one used to flirt with the idea of anti-lock brakes. And at the time, you know, anti-lock brakes weren't a standard feature on cars and now they're everywhere. Uh, it's a very big safety innovation that has been that has bled through from Formula One to uh, road cars. Pretty much everything from a road car has found its start in Formula One. So wow. it's, kind of, it's kind of like a trickle down effect. Yeah, that's cool. I've been to uh, the Indy 500 several several times. Uh, that's about the extent of my racing knowledge. How long has Formula One been around and been so popular? So in its current guise, it's been around since 1950. There has been what's referred to as Grand Prix racing prior to that. Um, I know pre-war, there has been European races throughout the, throughout the continent of Europe. France is widely recognized as hosting the first you know, Grand Prix back yeah. at, the, uh, at the post circuit back in, I think, 1903 or something like that. Some, some far back year. But in its current guise, Formula One has been around since 1950. Wow. Have the cars, I mean, obviously technology-wise, there's been huge advances, in terms of like just the shape of the car, the weight of the car, has that changed much? Because totally. watching, time, oh yeah, yeah. So you you if you can find footage of races from those early days, you'll see cars that basically look like giant cigars with literally, <laughs> literally with, with bicycle tires on them. 
Oh and you'll see, you'll see, you'll see strapping gentlemen in leather hats, you know, maneuvering these behemoths of, 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 of machines at, at ludicrous speeds around, around tracks. You'll see them just drifting through corners. And when you think about it, they're literally just, they're driving around fuel tanks on wheels That's that can explode literally at like at the, at the snap of a finger. Uh, and throughout the years, there have been obviously numerous innovations and different different uh, ways of setting up cars that have uh, permeated through the years. If you look at what it is in 2022 versus what it was in 1990 or 1976, like in Rush, or even back all the way back to 1950, it's been amazing how much they've changed. Cool. So there's obviously an international sport. Do they change their tracks a lot? Because that's I, I know that was a major plot point in Rush and something that I'm sure we'll talk about later. Or is this something like that the, they sort of set a track and it's sort of traditional to run the same thing? Yeah, so each year they set the calendar and the majority of the tracks are pretty consistent year to year, but they have been introducing new ones and some old ones fall off. So like you'll have some... Some fans like Stefano who miss certain tracks that um, don't ex- that they're not on there anymore. So I would say like each year there's probably you know eighteen to twenty two. There's twenty two, twenty four races each year. There's probably like eighteen to twenty circuits that stay on the grid. But like this past year was the first year we've ever had Miami, and it was the first time Miami was on the circuit. That was added, brand new track. No one had ever raced it. The teams had three days of practice to figure out how to run the cars. Next year, um, they're introducing Vegas. They're actually going to be racing down the strip. Oh my God. This year, we lost Russia. Um, they they lost that one up for obvious reasons. Obviously. And so they, they rotate things in, but there's always certain tracks. Like the next one coming up after the summer break was rumored to be not on the calendar next year. But it will be on the calendar because another track won't be ready. So, like, it's pretty consistent. Like, I would say there's, like, 18 tracks that don't move. And some of them are just, like, historic. And some of them probably don't suit the current cars. Uh, You'd ask about whether they change. They actually went through a whole new set of regulations from last year to this year. So the cars are completely different. Um, They're safer. They're required to run different fuel loads. They're trying to make it more sustainable and things like that. So they move regulations. But there are certain tracks now that don't fit the current uh, cars because they're just too tight and they're too too um like monaco i'm sure you guys have heard I was about that. to say monaco comes to mind yeah that one it's like through the streets of monaco and it's incredibly picturesque and the backdrop is unbelievable and it draws such a great crowd but we on one of our episodes described it as the grand procession because you can't really do anything on the track so there's a lot of things that just stay but there's a lot of new things too so like having miami having vegas there's now next year gonna be three u.s based circuits wow. on the on the calendar which is awesome and it's a, a function of drive to survive which is pretty cool but yeah they're, they're pretty consistent we all have our favorites too yeah of course uh the idea of they're gonna race down the las vegas strip that is gonna be crazy <laughs> yeah it's not the first time they've been to vegas so hopefully oh, it's, it's not? a little okay. bit yeah hopefully it fares a little bit better than the last time oh, no. <laughs> a long time ago though stefano what was it like the 80s and the 90s where they raced 80s, in the park yeah. of caesar's palace like so yeah, this is a totally was, different track it was, okay. it, was a really, it was a really poorly executed idea but oh okay with the, current, with the current ownership of formula one i think this one's going to be quite a bit better okay cool good yeah. <laughs> excellent so comparing cars speed wise, I know it's sort of like apples to oranges, but when you look at, you know, Formula One versus uh, NASCAR versus Indy 500, right? How do these compare and how are they different? So I'd probably say, and Stefan will be able to, to weigh in more. 
Formula One cars are by far the fastest cars that exist. They go upwards of 200 plus miles an hour. Um, but I think what's really interesting to see is like overlays on certain tracks. The ability for them to take corners is so fast and way faster than any of these other cars could ever imagine doing. So they're just by far naturally the quickest car. Like I'm talking like hairpins that they could probably take them at like 60, 70 miles an hour and like NASCAR would have to come to like a 10 mile an hour stop. So they, it's more so like they're definitely faster. They're definitely different size too, but they can take the corners at incredible speeds. Um, but yeah, Stefan, I don't know if you have better insights into the speed. Yeah, it's, when you compare the, those three, Indy, NASCAR, and Formula One, it's important to sort of distinguish between the purposes of the car. Yeah. Uh, like Matt said, Formula One is by far the fastest multi-turn car. And it's important to think of the cars insofar as how quick they turn. The name of the game in Formula One is being able to take a turn quickly. Uh, going fast in a straight line doesn't really matter that much on a Formula One track just because you know the parity between straight line speed is relatively equal. You know, you have some cars that may pull a few kilometers an hour faster than others, but really what you want to nail in a Formula One car is corner entry and corner exit. So, you know, being able to set up a car that will take a corner quickly is something that Formula One prides itself on and something that, you know, frankly, with the technology at their disposal, they have to get right. Indy, actually in a straight line in cert on certain tracks, is faster. Um, I know on the Indy 500, they can pull speeds of like 230, 240 miles an hour or something like that. But if you put an Indy car around a Formula One circuit, a Formula One car will run rings around it. Same with a, NAS, uh, a car from NASCAR. You know, they're built more for ovals and they can pull much, much faster uh, straight line speeds. Realistically, a Formula One car, if you're going to go left and right at very high speeds, that's the car that you want. Yeah. <laughs> so next time I rob a bank, I want to use one Formula of those cars. One. Okay, got Pretty it. Much, yeah. Not necessarily, actually. Uh, <laughs> Let's figure I, this out. Let's figure out the logistics. Well, what's my escape route? That's <laughs> yeah. the question. Do you have accomplices with you? Because you can't fit those. Oh, in good call. You oh, might fair. spoil the weight distribution. And then your cornering speeds will be off. <laughs> actually, I think all those cars are bad for accomplices. Well, and also... Uh, Formula One car, hard to like blend in on the highway. Yeah, <laughs> like, they get caught pretty quickly. Yeah, really distinctive. <laughs> Actually, if I, if, I, if I can interject here for a quick second. Yeah. Please. I entered this sweepstakes a few weeks ago to actually drive a Formula One car. Oh, wow. It was through the Driver 61 YouTube channel. Who has a, he's a, a Formula One driving coach. And I can't remember what else he does in, in, in respect to Formula One, but a really great mind for the sport and a lot of really great insight from his okay. channel and, you know, really, really great to listen to. But when I was filling out the sweepstakes, there's a certain height and weight that you have to be to fit, even fit oh, in the car. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. If you, even if your feet are too big, you're, you cannot get in the car. I think you have to be like between a size, like in terms of a U.S. size, between a size seven and a size nine. Then oh, you're no. fine, Stefano. You fit that bill no problem. You wouldn't have any yeah, problem yeah, with the height, weight, or shoe size requirements. Yeah, I'm good. We just have our own Martin Brundle. <laughs> Hopefully the next segment on In the Points is me driving a Formula One car, Matt. Yeah, that's awesome. That good sounds luck. amazing. I thought I thought at first thing you were like, I thought you were gonna be like, and I won. <laughs> I'm going right now. No, good I luck. Wish. That's awesome. Well, how do you guys when you're producing your show, how do you guys share that workload? I'd say we all kind of share the workload like pretty, pretty evenly. Like 
we all hop on. We we do our we all have our different um, our sticks and our our puts and takes that make the podcast pretty cohesive. Um, and then you know we all have different kind of roles outside of just hopping on a Zoom. Like Stefano writes a weekly blog and he prepares for when we're going into a race preview he prepares this entire monologue on how the like what the track is like and kind of gives like a preamble for our listeners and then our other co-host sam has been running his own gambling segment and he's actually had one of the most impressive gambling runs that you could ever have in in matchup predictions he's been 39 and 10 this year which is insane to think about from like a gambling perspective so he's doing a lot of research on the data side and trying to think through all of that and i think his he's win rate is 62 percent on overall bets so he's very very good and he puts a lot of work into that as well and preparing those segments and then i kind of do the post but we we kind of wing a little bit of the post and we just we kind of let it ride with what we've got and we yeah. kind of just kind of go raw from our guts but mm-hmm. yeah i mean Stefan, i don't think i don't know if you have any other like yeah if i if i could add i would say that matt you're probably our quarterback in that you sort of dictate where we go as far as how we do the the episodes and and what we run with and what topics we focus on especially um and then how matt handles um the editing and the all the work in post you know he he does that pretty much all by himself so uh matt does a lot of the sort of organizational work and a lot of uh the work that sort of directs sam and i so that we can make a cohesive and 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 competent product. So yeah, but, but it's like a three-legged stool. Without one of the legs, the stool right. collapses. You yeah. know, so it's yeah, kind exactly. of uh, it's certainly and you know, Stefano has uh, gave some 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 nice compliments. But like you know, we source like each each one sources the the topics too. Like you know, it's I don't think it would be. I don't think it would be a very good episode if we had one person dictating the topics. I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, we watch the races, we t- we talk about it, we text about it, we think about what's happening. Like we're all on Twitter and Instagram and looking at what's happening in the news. And, you know, like we have Stefano sourcing guests and, and everyone kind of trying to find, you know, callers to call in. So yeah. it's a pretty good group effort to kind of get everything to put out a quality episode that we're proud of. Nice. Yeah, and I imagine like as a listener, it's it's entertaining to hear sort of three different perspectives on something. Um, even if some of you agree on stuff, if you disagree on stuff, uh, that's always interesting to hear. Well, it's funny because the three of us each are fans of the the top teams yeah. differently. So I'm yeah. a very big Red Bull fan. Sam's a very big Mercedes fan, and Stefano is a very big Ferrari fan. And <laughs> each one hates somebody on the other team. So <laughs> it's very much like it gets to be sometimes you, you blur the line of whether yeah. they're actually mad at you because yeah. they're too lost or if they're just mad in general. But Yeah, we've, we've had some pretty tense conversations over the past few months where like, you don't quite know if you're overstepping boundaries or not. But then, you know, once we get once we get on a Zoom call to to riff about about what happened, it's it's all good again. So yeah. it's all in good fun. <laughs> Excellent. That's great. Um, so speaking of guests, how do you find the guests for your show? Is it just people you know personally? Do you reach out to people and just like cold message them on Twitter or some other social media? How do you find them? Yeah, we we cold message, to be honest. Um, to be honest, the best approach that I've kind of realized is like going on LinkedIn and yeah. then searching for the car company or the oh, team. Nice. 
And we've sourced um, three of our guests off of that alone. Very cool. And we have them all on WhatsApp and we chat with them. And one of them is a pretty close friend of the program now. And um, he's actually, so this one came up, I, I messaged him. He was interested. He had a book, bought the book, read the book, talked about the book on the podcast really enjoyed our conversation and he actually now is uh he's one of there's each driver has one person on the team that talks to them during the race and he's one of the 20 people that talk to the driver in the race so we've just kind of cold called and like built relationships with people on the team who because i think f1 it's you get a lot of popularity as like the driver and the team principals and things like that and so like our strategy has always been like well what about the people who are like actually helping these folks and that's why it felt like very similar to your podcast yeah yeah you just your guys are talking to people that may not be front and center and like the a-list celebrities of the movies but without them the movies wouldn't work and so without these people the drivers wouldn't win or succeed or Mm -hmm. or extract the most performance out of the car so and what we found and i'm sure you guys find the same thing is like these people actually appreciate feeling recognized and having these conversations and they love talking about it because it's super interesting. Um, But they're not the first choice or the second or the third of who they want to have on. But like for us, for fans of the sport and for our listeners, people find that incredibly interesting because it's not just regurgitated marketing answers that you're getting on the script. It's actual like pride and this Mm -hmm. feeling of like camaraderie and teamwork and accomplishment that is measured on a stopwatch week to week. So it's kind of, that's kind of how we've taken it away. I'm sure you guys have had a similar response and reaction from your guests as well. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. A lot of the folks we talk to aren't always, aren't used to being interviewed a lot of the time. And uh, a lot of time that leads to really great moments and discoveries and stories and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And for your guests to be able to hear like, get really into the specifics of the cars, the specifics of how it works to talk to the driver. I mean, that's stuff you don't, hear about uh, when you're watching it on tv like that's really cool and it's got to be really interesting for your fans to get so much more insight into how the process works i love that. absolutely yeah, yeah. And it's fun for us too to learn yeah. right it's fun for them right yeah, so it's right. kind of a win-win-win for everybody <laughs> yeah. involved and it's it's really really nice and it adds credibility right to your, right. Totally. your program too yeah. which is always you know positive mm-hmm. yeah yeah, Very so, cool. I love that. So, Matt, you talked about how you guys, you're still a relatively new podcast. Yep. I believe you guys have, what, 21 or 22 episodes out right now? I yeah, think. Pretty, pretty close. I think it's 21 on the dot, maybe 20. But, yeah, it's pretty yeah. damn good. So, uh, that's great. And so, have you guys evolved the show at all as, you know, from when you first started? And, and has it changed at all? Or are you trying to lock down into, like, a certain format? I mean, I know you have segments you guys do on the regular. But um, how much has your show changed so far? Yeah, I'd say it's changed pretty, pretty dramatically. I think um, the most obvious change was it started off just me and Sam and it was a two person podcast. And Sam had the brilliant idea, like, we need to add a third seat to this because it just became him and I having a a conversation, which works. And like, there's a lot of podcasts we listen to you guys seem like you have a two person podcast as well. But we felt like we kept arguing because that's the nature of the sport is like yeah. he liked one team. I liked the other. And we just kind of, our takes were just arguing. And so he said, we need to add somebody. And one of my brother's best friends, Stefano, and one of my really close friends 
became a huge, he's a, an avid Formula One fan. And we said, this fits. We know him really well. Like he has a lot of historical knowledge. And so yeah. we added him to, to the podcast. So like that was like one huge change. I think we thought was, was super helpful. And, and we're constantly trying to evolve and think about different segments. I think heading, we've got a pretty good formula for certain topics. Like we always do a race preview and like we've always done our predictions for who we think is going to win and who's going to be, you know, first, second and third. Um, we have the recurring gambling segment that Sam does, and we've kind of got that etched in there. We have Stefano, he writes a blog every single week and he has like his, we've added now his race preview and like his like kind of preamble on that. Um, and then, you know, we just evolved. We've talked about different things. We, we tried to have like running sticks and, you know, it's, I think like you guys, I'm sure same way, like you try and find what works and like, we're con like, I'm so neurotic of asking like the people who do listen, like what was good, what was yeah. bad, what do you not like, what do you like? And so we just constantly try to evolve and think about like, we're almost like a current events podcast with Formula One. It's like, okay, we know that there's a race coming up and we just did a race. So we always work those two things in and we build around that and things that happen in the news. Um, so yeah, we're just trying to be that kind of one-stop shop for all things Formula One. So what you're saying is we need to get a third co-host for our show. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, like if you guys are sourcing guests every week, probably not. But for for uh, us where sourcing guests is rare and hard, um, it certainly helps not having the same two people from our perspective and just arguing. I, I would find it probably challenging if you two just were talking to each other about like one movie. Like right. if you did that 25 times in a row, you'd probably <laughs> realize you need to like, like yeah. add something in there and spice yeah. it up a little bit. For yeah. Sure. And I think Matt alluded to this a little bit earlier. I think we all bring different perspectives yeah. to our style of presentation. Matt and Sam have their stick. I like to bring in my, my own personal style as well. Coming from the, the car world like I do, I, I try, I envision our podcast as sort of being like the top gear of Formula One podcast, yeah. so to speak. They, they definitely had quite the overarching reach, not just in the car community, but, you know, in the entertainment sphere as well. So I think, you know, because we have our different sticks and our different segments and things like that, uh, I think over time that's what we're our, our ultimate goal is to try to capture not just the formula one audience but um also casual fans and people yeah. who just you know who just have a, an interest in sport and and good good just general banter as well right excellent so do you have be from in the points or if there's some other project you've worked on that you want to talk about but any moment that's like your favorite moment where you're just like oh this is so awesome i can't believe we get to do this there's not one that I can really pinpoint, but I, I truly believe that when Sam's picks end up being correct That's every cool. weekend, <laughs> like that moment is like, because I think it's such like a relatable thing for people to listen to. And it's such a strong momentum and it like, it adds really simple and quick credibility to your yeah. show, your program right. that like you could, you know, without anyone listening, if you just look at stats that are proven and say like the, this guy knows what formula one is, yeah. I think that is probably one of the, the ones where I, I could say is probably like the most excited I've been is like seeing that come out on, each week and him sending in the picks and putting them all on Twitter. And, and uh, then at the end, having check marks all across the board, I think that's like been one of the really cool, proud things to see, like, wow, like this program and this like 
there's a lot of work going into this to like get to that. So I think that's been pretty, pretty cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I suppose two things, you know, because Matt said that I joined the podcast a little bit after they had started it, but uh, they already had a couple of guests on. Uh, and then when we, when Matt sent over uh, the news that we would be interviewing uh, Vita Marina from Alfa Romeo, yeah. I thought to myself, wow, like, this is this is pretty mega. I can't That's believe cool. that we get to do this. <laughs> you know, just week to week, just watching the races and and talking about them with your with your friends. Yeah. And when Matt runs the numbers on people who actually listen to us do this, you think to yourself, man, I can't, I can't believe that, you know, we we set out to do this, and we're actually getting some traction with it too. Yeah that's really cool to think about. And it, it really puts a lot of satisfaction into the work that you put in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know for a fact that all three of us, we, we really grind quite hard at, at, at the podcast and, and the various uh, sort of inputs that we put into it as well. So yeah. definitely some moments to take away and be proud of. Yes, definitely. Very cool. That's awesome. You're doing something you would do anyway, right? You're talking about formula one, but to be also like step up and do the work to create a podcast, create that content to put out there and then have feedback that people are enjoying it. That's a really awesome feeling. Excellent. Well, um, we got one more question for you both before we move on and talk about our movie today. What advice do you have for people who want to either start their own podcast or get into watching formula one or just, you know, want to create a project and you don't know where to start? What advice do you have for people who want to do anything like that? I think it's probably pretty, pretty cliche, but I think it's like, just kind of do it right. Like take the plunge and do it. I mean, I think that it's really easy to be like, Oh, you know, every, like you'd said, there's 4 million podcasts and obviously people are like, Oh, like everybody has a podcast and, and you know, that there's some credence to that, but also like for every person that has a podcast, there's probably like a hundred that don't. Right. And it's, so it's like, it's easy to say that I think it's really more so like it's putting yourself out there and saying like, this is something. And, you know, like if you have a million listeners, that's, then you did a really great job. And if you had 20 listeners, at least you tried. Right. And it's like, you you put yourself out there, you tried to build something you thought people were going to be interested in. You had a thesis, you had a goal, you had a vision and maybe it worked, maybe it didn't work. But at the end of the day, like you have a body of work to say, like I created and I did instead of, I didn't do anything or I sat back. And I, I, so I, I think it's just like, for me, it's like, go and, and do it. That's the advice that like, it's cliche, but it's like, just, just try, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you never know if you don't try. And then I'm also going to answer for Sam. I'll give his answer how he would answer. So can you hey do guys, it in Sam's uh, voice? You don't have to. Uh, <laughs> I'm not good at but, um, so, Hey guys. Yeah. Like um, <laughs> my advice to anyone out there would be like, follow us on Twitter, like go and bet Sam's yeah. bets. Like we have, like, I'm the hottest better in, in formula one, like matchup picks every Saturday, like follow us on at underscore in the underscore, the underscore points for all of the race matchups. And like, we're going to make a lot of money. So that's yeah. what Sam's advice would probably be. <laughs> <right there>. Excellent. <laughs> for me, like kind of what Matt said, just go out and do it. But there's more to it than just doing it. Like we said, there's 4 million podcasts available to listen to on Spotify, but I saw another stat where something like 75% of those podcasts only have one episode. Mm. So if you're going to take the plunge and do it, make sure that it's something you're passionate about. Make sure that it's something that you're going to have continuous interest in Mm. and, you know, make sure you actually do the work involved as well. 
Um, cause anybody can make a singular podcast and talk about something that they like, but the, the difficulty is in, you know, maintaining that, that sort of, uh, drive and motivation to do it. And then just always being prepared, definitely always being prepared. Um, Matt, Sam, and I always, you know, we always have a little preamble discussion about what we're going to talk about. We always, um, throughout the week sort of talk about different, you know, current events that we're going to talk about as well on the podcast. Um, so always, always do the work, always continue, um, maintaining your level of interest as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for anybody who wants to get into formula one, um, definitely check out, uh, drive to survive great show, especially if you're like a complete, like novice to the, to the world of formula one. Uh, and if you like it also check out the movie rush. Yeah. Great little story about the 1976 season. Perfect. Well, maybe we should talk about that. Yeah, that's a good segue. Let's get to our feature film. Today we're discussing the 2013 action drama Rush. It was written by Peter Morgan and directed by Ron Howard. It stars Daniel Brühl, Chris Hemsworth, Olivia Wilde, and Alexandra Maria Lara. So before we get into it, Susan, can you give us a quick breakdown? What's this movie about? Yes, so this movie really centers on the story. Um, It is about Formula One racing. It is based on a true story. And it's about kind of the rivalry between these two uh, drivers. It's James Hunt, who's this really, like, brash Englishman. He's very outgoing. He, like, loves the fame part of being a race car driver. And then um, we also have Nicky Lauda, who is a lot more calculated, a lot more serious, um, but also a very excellent driver. So we're really looking at their rivalry. Uh, They meet at a Formula, I believe, three race and i assuming that just means they're kind of a minor it's like league. kind of a minor league yeah they're 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 different junior leagues to formula okay. it's like formula three and formula two uh drivers will compete in these uh sort of junior leagues for hopefully a spot in formula one awesome all right so they meet in formula three but then they both do end up in formula one um james i think based mostly on his competitions but then uh nikki lauda kind of buys his way into the race but he is a very excellent driver um so it follows their story and then we get to their uh 1976 season which is really where kind of the rivalry takes off um lauda's ahead in points but then he gets in this horrific car accident at the i believe the germany grand prix and he suffers really bad burns he ends up in the hospital and in that time he's in the hospital james hunt really pulls ahead and he becomes within just a few points of lauda and then we get to that final race uh, at the japanese grand prix where they're battling it out for who's going to be the champion of the 1976 season um so it just i think it does a really good job showing you the intensity of formula and racing and the danger it's incredibly looks incredibly dangerous but again also the skill of the drivers uh the shots are really incredible and we'll get into all that too so but that's just a kind of a brief summary of the plot yeah perfect so <laughs> so matt stefano you guys chose this movie for us to watch and I, I think it's pretty obvious why you chose this one um but what is it that you love about this film yeah i would probably say like the cast is pretty impressive it's um excellent yeah it's it's absolutely fantastic it's i think it's like first off it's a great story uh, it's a true story i think that's super compelling yeah like i mean chris hemsworth and daniel Brohl is uh, like daniel Brohl is fantastic in inglorious bastards he's yep. fantastic in a number of movies he was actually great in falcon the winter soldier yep. uh, so he's just like an overall great actor and obviously chris hemsworth is chris hemsworth yeah. right um but i think like it's just the draw of like even if you're not a formula one fan i think you guys both have watched it and it's yeah it's an incredibly powerful film and when it's a true story and like you end up without any spoilers, like you end up finding like 
out what happens to both Nicky Lauda and James Hunt. Like one is super like my life is I want to win as much as I possibly can. And like for one, like winning one title is enough. Right. And like his, his work isn't his life. It's like everything outside of that. And so I think it's just like cool polarizing um, different types of, of um, character types and like, you know, one who's like a free spirit and one who's super calculated and, it's you know ironic that one the one who's calculated ends up getting hurt and the one who's not does not right. so like it's just like a it's just a really cool like comparison between two opposite type of people and i think that's like a great story in and of itself but yeah, yeah. i think it's super fun to watch yeah i suppose for me you know growing up there wasn't really a lot of content for formula one outside yeah. of the races and you know some of like the made for tv specials so sure. You know, when I first heard all those years ago that there was going to be a movie about Formula One, I was like, yes, you know? <laughs> finally. Uh, and then I was like, oh, God, no, don't make it like nerdy and yeah. just incomprehensible for people who don't watch the sport. <laughs> but then I watched it and I was like, you know, they blended they blended sort of the Hollywood feel mm-hmm. perfectly with, you know, some of the more nerdy aspects of Formula One, you yeah. know, like when when there's discussions about, you know, the parts that go into the car that was blended quite well with some of the more actiony aspects of the film too. And to sort of piggyback off of Matt's point about the casting, they nailed it so well that pretty much all the, like the, the actors portraying their historic roles bear a striking resemblance. Yes. Like Mm -hmm. uh, Chris Hemsworth looks almost exactly like James Hunt. Danny Brulla, the way that he did his hair and his makeup, mm-hmm. he looked almost exactly like Nikki Lauda. Even like the the woman who played, the women, sorry, who played uh, the love interests for James Hunt and Nikki Lauda looked strikingly similar yes. to their real life counterparts. So, you know, they really nailed the casting, really nailed the cinematography too. Just a great overall film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually, you know, again, not being familiar with these folks before the movie, but that they show the real footage at the end, and they yeah. do. I mean, they like the nailed, same. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, nailed yeah. the look, and the the casting was was very impressive, and and everybody in the film delivers. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is so realistic and so played so straight. Um, it's never. It never feels very Hollywoody to me. It always feels very real. Well, and the story is really incredible because I was reading uh, the real Nicky Lauda was asked about this movie and he watched it and he's like, oh, this is actually like, obviously there's some changes sure. that they did for the movie, but he's like, oh, this is actually pretty close. Like, this is pretty much what happened, <laughs> which uh, there's, is there's quite a few changes. Yeah, yeah I know there's a lot like some races are different and stuff, but um, yeah, yeah. I think as far as the overall feel of the that those seasons he said it was pretty accurate which i thought was yeah. cool and that just shows how incredible yeah, the story thought, it was you know speaking of like the sort of like the historic historicity of the film yeah i think they really captured like you alluded to earlier how dangerous the sport was back yeah then. um you know i think earlier in the film uh nikki lauda is or sorry danny brulla who's portraying nikki lauda is narrating and saying that two drivers every year die. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those are realistic figures. Um, I wouldn't say two every year back then, but, you know, there was quite a lot of horrific, horrific crashes. um, You go across, though, the Formula 1, 2, 3, Formula E, like there was a driver that died this year. There was a driver that died last year. In 2020, there was... um, Formula um, 1, we had Jules Bianchi in 2014, the godfather of uh, Charles Leclerc, who's on the board right now. 
Wow. And to your guys' earlier question on the podcast, like the Nürburgring where they raced and where Nicky Lauda had that infamous crash is actually not on the circuit any longer oh, wow. either right now. Not because of that, but it's just another race that – another track that, that people are longing back to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even when it was on the, the, the calendar more recently, it was not the same circuit as was portrayed in the film. It was a heavily truncated and altered circuit for safety reasons. Sure. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this film is, I mean, Ron Howard is a great director, right? I mean, he's done a lot of yeah. fantastic movies. Yeah. And I love, especially at the beginning of the film, they use a lot of like, it looks grainy. But I mean, it that's on purpose. I mean, the movie's made in 2013, but they, they wanted to look like the 70s, right? So they're purposely using some old style looking. And of course, the costuming and the productions and all the old cars and everything, it all looks just so great this production is really really well made and the action feels like you can follow everything like even though these cars are going super fast like it's just it's really well done and that that's very complicated to do because it easily could be very jarring and hard to follow but they do such a good job of making it very easy to understand and and very digestible Mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely and i mean ron howard is just he's he's fantastic he did all of like the da vinci code and that whole series like he he had and he had a very close relationship with with uh, Chris Hemsworth and other movies and working with him. So like he definitely knows how to tell the story for like a sport that's hard for somebody who doesn't know about the sport to tell and how to get the right camera angles and like actually like if you watch that you would watch it and say like somebody knew how they how to film Formula One races by because they had definitely had seen Formula One races. It's it's yeah. very very comparable. But yeah, I mean Ron Howard's fantastic. He did a great job at the movie and he's. His resume speaks for itself, and he just added another one to it. Yeah. For sure. (laughs) Um, I definitely love... So, trying to think of, like, if there's a villain in this movie, I don't think there is. At first, you're like, oh, you're supposed to love James Hunt, and Nicky Lauda's, like, has, you know, he's kind of the villain, but then you're like, oh, not really, and then... I love how they develop the relationship between the two where they eventually they do respect each other. And um, it's just a, it's a rivalry, but they both recognize how great the other one is, especially by the end. I thought that was really well done because I, 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 there were moments I cared about both of them. And I was like, ah, I don't want either of you to lose. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, too, it's actually super interesting. I never really thought of it that way, but thinking back to it. That's actually how like it, a lot of drivers interact. So like I think they did a really good job of like the actors portraying like what it actually is like to be two Formula One drivers competing with one another where like you don't want to give an inch and you want to race really hard and you want to like race in a way that you're not letting your um, opponent pass and your biggest rival you're like not backing down from. But when you see what happens to them, like Mm -hmm. you have a different sense of like respect and empathy towards like your opponent where like you don't want to lose and you want to be cutthroat, but you never want someone to get hurt. And I think you see a ton of that in today's Formula One racing where drivers on track are like battling very hard. They're battling very intensely, but then afterwards they're like high fiving and like giving a hug, but then they see somebody crash and they immediately come on the radio and they're like, is he okay? Like what's mm-hmm. going on? So you travel with all these people. So like, it's interesting that the two actors did a really good job. Cause yeah. I was agreeing with you. Like there's really not a bad person. And even the scene where, where James Hunt takes that at um, the reporter into the, the basement yeah. and he beats him up and right. he's like basically defending his uh-huh. biggest rival is, yeah. is it's a powerful scene. It's probably yes. my favorite scene. Yeah. I had to weave that in and somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah. That, so is that your favorite scene then, Matt? I think so. I think it's just because it's like a great character development piece yeah, for Chris Hemsworth character of like, he's this kind of pretty boy, gets whatever he wants. He's a paid driver, as you guys mentioned. And like Nikki Loud is this kind of like, not like he's just not the ladies man. He's not yeah. like the the playboy typical Formula One driver, and he's incredibly smart and very good. And like you kind of feel bad for Nikki, even though he wins. But then like you actually see like, hey, like I'm defending this guy. Like you don't just get to. It's like mm-hmm. I can do that. You can't do that. Like yeah. you're just a reporter. Like this is my peer. He's not right. your peer. Like almost like a know your role, but he doesn't need the credit of like I defended you type mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Which I think is like a, just a nice, it's, it's a, it's a great scene. Yeah, it is. Cool. And then Stefano, did you have a favorite scene as well? Uh, I have a few favorite scenes, yeah. but I think one that stands out to me the most um, is the, the shot, the cockpit view of the car. Hmm. Nicky Lauda's first race back yeah. from his horrific injuries. Yeah. And the they, they do a really good job of just focusing on his face with the helmet on, obviously, mm-hmm. but, and then the 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 ambient sounds are turned up around around the driver, so you can hear everything he's hearing. You hear the roar of the engines, you hear the roar of the crowds, and all of a sudden he flips his visor closed, mm-hmm. and all of that sound goes away. Yep, and it just solidifies that. Yeah, I'm back. I'm focused. I'm ready to kick ass. Mm-hmm. Cool. Who would have thought Richie Cunningham could have directed such a great film? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Love. I remember seeing uh, Ron Howard. Um, sort of on like the promotional trail for this movie. Oh, cool. And uh, it was an episode of Top Gear. I always come back to Top Gear for some reason. <laughs> um, but he was, he was being interviewed by Jeremy Clarkson on Top Gear and just seeing sort of like the excitement in his eyes when he's talking about the movie and seeing uh, in turn Jeremy's excitement as he's talking about the movie was really infectious too because it made me, as somebody who's already like super pumped about the movie, really, really want to see yeah. it. You know, and... Lo and behold, I went to go see it probably like four times in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Susan? Yeah. Susan, did you have a favorite scene? This is tough because the, like there were a lot of great scenes, I think. But anytime they were filming from the point of view of the driver and you really saw, I assume that's kind of accurate to what it looks like when you're driving a Formula One car where you don't have a great field of vision. It's blurry, especially oh. when it's raining. Um, yeah. I thought that was really powerful because without those, I don't know if I really would have thought about how difficult it is to even see when you're driving a Formula One car. And mm-hmm. that that helped raise the stakes for me on all the race scenes really high was when I had to be like, oh, not only are they going 200 plus miles an hour, they're doing it being able to see like this much of their field of vision. And even that could be blurry. Like that's yeah. insane. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty yeah. consistent to to the sport today too. It's yeah. very very difficult. They added a halo, so now you have this big pole right in the middle too. That kind of blurs your vision as well. Yeah. Um. And it's yeah, visibility can be low, and you're seated down. And yeah, we talk about this laying down while you're seated as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we talk about the speed, but like the G force that the drivers right. describe is incredible. Like they say, like you turn this way and your head wants to go the other way. So like not only visible, but you have to be able to like make sure your head stays in focus too but mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy yeah that's wow. a good it's a good uh it's a good answer yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> i think mine is going to be um i mean i love all the scenes where uh you know uh nikki and james are together i think yeah. they play off each other yeah. so well i think my favorite one is actually where nikki calls the meeting of all the drivers to cancel the race 
and he's trying to convince everybody to do it. And then James is the one who speaks up and decides and convinces everybody to, to do the race. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's really the crux of the conflict between the two guys. Um, and what leads to, of course, the big crash and, and, and a, a lot of the movie from the, that point on, it's really a, a kind of a turning point. Cause then of course, James blames himself and Nikki's like, well, yeah, you are responsible for what happened to me. Um, and so I think that that's a really important scene in the film and it really stands out to me um, as being uh, sort of the linchpin of the film from when, you know, from, okay, now we're, we're really to the heart of, of a conflict here. Um, so that, that was very exciting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's a great scene too. I love that scene too. Cause it's a good callback to an earlier conversation that uh, James and Nikki had where, uh, Nikki's sort of like making fun of, of James for like nobody respecting him. Right. Yeah. People liking him. And right. then when they called that meeting and everybody's on James's side, James afterward goes to Nikki. Oh, it's nice to have people like you every once in a while, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly what you said earlier, Matt. It's just like these two guys are polar opposites. Yeah. So watching them interact with each other and compete with each other is just really thrilling. Absolutely. And yet they're both successful, right? Mm-hmm. Daniel Brühl is a fantastic, um, he's unbelievable accents. I've noticed that. Like he, you take for granted, like they both look like, yeah, they look like they're who they're playing, but for him to speak that way is pretty, pretty impressive. And I just thought that was one last thing that I had really, really cool to listen to him talk. Totally. Yeah. I think, you know, talking about sort of like sort of the cinematic shots and everything like that, it really, like you, like you were saying, it, it makes you appreciate what it takes to actually drive a Formula One car and, you know, the immense stress that these people are putting on themselves to actually, you know, complete races. And, you know, when you take into account the historical aspects of this film, how much danger that they were putting themselves in as well. Right. So when you pull all that together, it, it really gives you a completely different lens while you're viewing the film. Uh, and, you know, if you're a Formula One fan like me, you kind of take that for granted because that's kind of been, you know, everything that you that you've watched growing up. But you know, for people who haven't really had a lot of exposure to the sport in the past, it's really sort of eye-opening what they put themselves through. We like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling Actor Movie, Actor Movie. And you'll all be playing against each other. So here are the rules. I'm going to give you the name of an actor. The first person each round will name a different movie that actor appeared in. The following person will name a different actor from that new movie. You will go back and forth naming movies and actors until someone runs out. Whoever has the last answer will get a point. You cannot repeat movies or actors in the same round. I have five actors for today's game, and in honor of the film Rush, these are all people from the film. So... The person with the most points at the end will win our prize. And Susan, what's our prize? I did some Life in the Credits merchandise. Ooh, yeah. Right. You, yeah. I hope I win then. I definitely <laughs> want that. I want it even if I lose. So I'm going to yeah. try and find a way to have it. <laughs> Are you guys ready to play? Ready to rock and roll. Let's do it. Fantastic. Fire it up. Stefano, we're going to start with you. So your actor is Chris Hemsworth. Thor. Thor is correct. So Matt, you need to name a different actor from Thor. Chris Pratt, new Thor. He's in Thor Love and Thunder. I'll accept it. Susan? Tomorrow Man? 
That is not the right name of that it's movie. It's not? What is the name? Or can you name a different movie? For I'll just have to think of a different movie. Um, um, we'll, we'll let Guardians you of the Galaxy. There you is go. It's Tomorrow War, by the way. Tomorrow mm-hmm. War. Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> no, you're up. Uh, Vin Diesel? Yes. Ooh. Fast and the Furious. Yes. Paul Walker. Correct. Running Scared. Very good. Now, Matt, can you name another actor from Running Scared? There's only like three. I was going to guess like Christina Applegate. Is that right? I don't know that. No, I don't think so. I think (laughs) Running Scared, there's like three actors in it, including Paul Walker. You couldn't pick like anything else, Stefano? He's only in Fast and Furious movies and Running Scared. (laughs) No, he's in like, he's in in, uh, uh, Blue. I think Deep Blue and... Yeah, I was going to say Jessica Alba after that, too. Oh, yeah. What's the movie with... um, I'm sorry, that is not correct, Matt. (laughs) What's the movie where they're running away from the semi-driver that they talk to on the CB radio? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're not I think that's the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Duel? Yeah, that's not that's not a Paul Walker movie. Stefano has a point. Stefano yes, has a point. Very good. So number two, Matt, we're gonna start with you this round. Your actor is Daniel Brule. Inglorious Bastards. Excellent. Susan. Brad Pitt. Yep. Uh Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yes. Angelina Jolie. Very good. Um Oh my God! Uh, Salt. Yes. Yeah. Morgan Freeman. Can you name a different actor from Salt? Uh, no. All right. That, that means was, that was kind of Susan gets a point. That was a weird Angelina Jolie pick on my part. To be yeah. fair, no, it totally <laughs> was. You, that's fair. That's how you. That's that's correct. Like you have to stump Stefano the way he stumped me. No one's in. That's how the game is played. Yeah. All right, guys. It's only you to get harder. All right. All right. Number three, Susan, we're starting with you. Okay. Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde is very famous and she's been in a bunch of movies. The movie that we talked about tonight. Am I allowed to say Rush? We haven't oh, used it yet. Okay. Yeah. I, didn't know I, was, I thought I wasn't allowed to say Rush. It's still weird. I can't think of a, a different one, but I'll say Rush. I think the guy that plays Claire, I think his name is Pierre Francesco something. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a jerk. <laughs> Pierre Francesco Favini, I think is his name. Something Italian. Oh, I'm looking it up now. Oh, man. Casablanca, the <laughs> Matt, remake. Matt is going to leave the meeting. You're <laughs> such a jerk, Stefano. <laughs> this game is falling apart quickly, but... Um, Did I at least get the no, first? this is a fun... This is an awesome version of this game because <laughs> Stefano is just picking... They're both picking ones that the others can't get. Oh my yes. god! Yes, oh my, we looked it up. You are correct. <laughs> I'm right, Casablanca. <laughs> was he in Casablanca? He was not in Casablanca. Watch <laughs> the movie that that guy is in. So, all right, let's let's look at Pier Francesco. Let's uh, look at his Favino's IMDb. other films. World War Z is up there. Uh, World War yep. Z, Rush. Yeah. He, he was in Angels and Demons. He oh. plays the cop um, in The oh, Traitor. Great. Yeah, he's a real A-lister. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow, good job. All right. Nice. Oh, I, I'm not going to roll. Matt, it's technically your turn. Oh, I guess we just named all the movies. Uh, I'll just take it as a point for me. Yes. Thank you so much. All right, uh, so uh, we, are, we are three in. 
Stefano Stefano, starts, right? Stefano has two points. Susan has one. Matt, you're currently at zero. That's okay. There's still but, two left. Yeah, we have two left. Yeah. All right, I gotta win both these. Do you have a tiebreaker? Uh, no, I don't okay. because there. I did not think we would have a tie, but we'll see what happens. Stefano, if you win another one, you've won the game. All right, here we go. Who's starting this one? I think Stefano. Stefano starts. Okay. Yeah. Your actor is Natalie Dormer. Oh God. My, my, how the tables have turned. <laughs> I lost. I lost this round. Well, we'll get it started. She is the nurse in the very first scene, uh, the girlfriend, and she's also in Game of Thrones. Right, but... Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I do know who you're talking about. Hold on. I actually, I can picture her in a movie. Um, I'll give you a freebie on this one. To get, to get us started, she was in the Hunger Game films. Oh, yeah, good call. All right, Hunger Games. Okay. Um, I can't even think of the, the guy. Um, I can't think of one pert actor's name from the Hunger Games. Uh, I'll give you a clue. It's the brother of a different actor from Rush. Liam Liam Hemsworth? Yes. He is oh, yeah. Guy. Dang. All right, Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, good one. All right, Susan. Oh, God. Do <laughs> <laughs> you another Liam Hemsworth movie? Oh, I have a Liam Hemsworth movie. He was in, like, a war movie. Yep. I can picture him in the uniform. God, guys, we are so good but at this. what is the name of that movie that I am picturing? <laughs> I know it. I know it. I think I'm out. All right, let's Go just, ahead. Let's just, Wait, uh, Stefano knows. No, let's have Stefano, and we'll, we'll let the other guys Yeah, let those two out. battle it out for this one. <laughs> right. Expendables. Yes, he was in oh the Expendables. God. That's exactly right. All right, back to you, Matt. Um, Sylvester Stallone? Yes. Rocky? Yep. I have no idea what the actor's name is who plays Apollo Creed. Oh, God, you're killing me here. I know. Yep. I have no idea what his name is. Um, Or the person who plays Ivan Drago. That's Rocky IV. I doesn't, the sequels count. They all count. Um, it's all the one so, universe. I don't know either of their names. I don't know anybody else's names from that movie. I lose. There's a gentleman named Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. How did I forget Dolph Lundgren? I should have known Dolph Lundgren. Who plays Apollo Creed? Carl Weathers. Carl, Carl Weathers. Weathers. Oh, oh, a bad I... moment. Oh. Yeah. Of course, it's Carl Weathers. The oh delightful Carl Weathers. All right. Did you get a point for that? You got a point. I have no idea where we're at in the points. <laughs> Three to one to nothing, but I want round five just to kind of be, make sure yeah, I'm on the yeah, board. Yeah. Round, five, round, five. Till the end. round five is the final round, and okay. we are going to play it even though Stefano has officially won. Okay. So for the final round, I'm going to start us off this time with a director. The director is Ron Howard. Can you name a Ron Howard film, Matt? I certainly can. It is Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Nice. Fantastic. Susan? Forrest Gump? Is that Ron? <laughs> well, you think Forrest Gump is an actor? <laughs> no, no, no. I was, <laughs> I was naming movies he directed. All right. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And that's not the Jim Carrey version. It, 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 it is the Jim it Carrey. Is. Okay. It is. So your answer is? Jim Carrey. There you go. The Mask. Yeah. Yes, The Mask. You're such a jerk, Stefano. Why are you picking movies I don't know? There's Ace a Ventura. All right, fine. Ace Ventura. Still don't know anyone else. I do in not know either of these movies. That's like I do. I just don't know any other yeah. actors who are in uh, there. There is a very Bruce famous Almighty. Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. That's my official answer. You should know at least two other people in this movie. Okay, Steve Carell. I'll accept that as an acceptable answer. Forty-year-old virgin. Yes. All right. Seth Rogen. Yes. 
knocked up. Yep. Yes. Catherine Heigl. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, role models. Was she in role models? No, that was um, Elizabeth Banks, right? Yeah, was Catherine Heigl also in it though? It's like a smaller part. I'm not sure. It was Elizabeth Banks for sure. She was the main. Who does Catherine Heigl play? Is that girl's love interest? Yeah. Oh wow! I'll allow it though. (laughs) I'm not the judge, but I kind of want to see how far we can go with this one. Yeah. All right. Let's keep Um, going. All right. Who plays Ant Man? (laughs) Um, Jesus, I can't think of anybody's names. Uh, Paul Rudd. There, there we go. go. Paul Rudd. Took uh, me a clueless. Very good. You lose. All right. I win. All right. Susan got two. I, I said a wrong answer and I couldn't come up with one. I definitely. Well, Matt, do you know? Oh, no, let's keep it going between Matt and Susan. Clueless. Um, I don't know her name, but I'm trying to think. This is such a tough um, one. She also played Batgirl. I can only picture the blonde girl and her friend, and I don't know either of their names. I am stumped. I I am officially horrible at this game. Even <laughs> this is a hard game. It's a hard game. Like, it's a hard like, game. All right, I feel like I got I feel like I got boxed into a corner and everybody's answers. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> you know, giving me the only Italian guy who plays co- like third cop in Angels and Demons is really unfair. <laughs> Even though you guys did not do very well at that, that was really fun to listen to. So thank you for that. Well, and congratulations on your win, Stefano. Yeah. However, I will say we're going to send you guys both merch because that was great. Yeah. Oh, uh, you guys, you guys are great. We will yeah, also send, awesome. uh, we'll send Sam something too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm sure we'll appreciate it. Yes. Yes, he will. Excellent. Well, before we let you guys go, would you like to plug anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, we uh, we're always looking for for new fans who appreciate Formula One. So for any of those Formula One listeners and watchers out there, tune into our podcast. It's every single week, Wednesdays. It's in the points. You can find us on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, any basic streaming service um, is out there. Uh, Amazon, whatever you listen to, we're on it. And yeah, we would love for for more passionate Formula One fans to listen to our episodes and bet with Sam's bet. Follow us on all of our social accounts. And um, Stefano, you're with our signature catchphrase. Hell yeah, fire it up. And if <laughs> I'd like to add anything, uh, it's if you enjoyed the movie Rush, uh, I encourage, I actually implore the, the, the royal you to go out and watch uh, the biopic called Senna on, um, on Netflix, I believe. Uh, really great content. Why are you plugging another movie? I want people to be uh, passionate about Formula One. And tell them what he tried to survive. Why are you plugging somebody else's movie about Ayrton Senna? You didn't let me finish. (laughs) (laughs) Stefano, you're the worst plugger of all time. (laughs) I'm plugging our podcast and you plug a documentary on Ayrton Senna on Netflix. Fine. Cut it out. Uh, (laughs) We're leaving all this in. We're leaving all of it in and also we're probably going to go watch that documentary now. (laughs) I was going to say we'll probably discuss the movie and the documentary on In the Points. But I guess we can't discuss that anymore. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Kill, killer of fun. 
<laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for doing this. This is a yeah. great way to, to wrap this up really this fun. episode. Uh, just <laughs> we're wrapping up our show by destroying a different podcast. Guys, this is awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, and of course. We really appreciate you guys talking Rush with us and all yeah. things Formula One. So we really do appreciate it. So thank you so much for having us on your, your program. Yeah, of course. Yeah, fired up. You guys are great. Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan Swarner. And me, Ben Bloom. It's executive produced by Michelle Levin. The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrowbridgeSounds.com. The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin. If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at Patreon.com. If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits or shoot us an email at lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. So next time I rob a bank, I want to use one Formal of those one. cars. Okay, got Pretty it. Much, yeah. Not necessarily, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let's figure this out. Let's figure out the logistics. Well, what's my escape route? That's the question. Do you have accomplices with you? Because you can't fit those. Oh, you know, good call. You oh, might fair. spoil the weight distribution, and then your cornering speeds will be off. <laughs> actually, I think all those cars are bad for accomplices. Well, and also... Uh, Formula One car, hard to like blend in on the highway. Yeah, <laughs> they get caught pretty quickly. Yeah, really distinctive. <laughs>